Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello there, Disability After Dark listeners. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, this jam-packed episode. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza. I am your gimpy lover, your disability boyfriend experience. And I'm excited to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you today. Let's get this episode up and running. Get comfy, get cozy, get sexy. Let's get started. Just want to do a little bit of a shameless plug here. I was supposed to do a live show of Disability After Dark back in February, but I fell ill and wasn't able to be there, unfortunately. So I'd love to float this idea around again and try to get a live show of Disability After Dark up and running somewhere. I know that some of you on the Twitter sphere said that's something you would want me to do. So if you're out there and you're looking for a sexy disabled speaker to talk about sexuality and disability and you want the number one queer cripple to do that for you, consider hiring me to come out and do a live show of Disability After Dark. Also, if you're a podcast producer and you're looking for somebody to guest. I'm always um, around looking for guest opportunities and to bring sexuality and disability or just disability to your podcast. If that's something you want to do, consider hitting me up and letting me know you want me to be a part of your podcast. Okay, enough of the shameless plugs. On with the show. You know, as we enter the latter half of 2018, holy fuck, it's almost 2019, where the fuck did the year go? I noticed that we are talking a lot more about technology and the way technology is being used to enhance the world around us and the way we communicate in the world, the way we interact in the world, the way we understand our world is being girded and modeled by technology. You know, the way we talk about technology and the language we use around technology really shows how important technology is to us in our world today. Some of the, When I was looking up in, on the Google search some of the language we use to discuss tech and what tech means to us, we use three words over and over and over and over again. We use words like innovative, revolutionary, and groundbreaking. Those words came up a bunch of times in searches for everything from the iPhone to a blender to a vibrator. Other words we use to describe te- technological, technological, cannot say that word, I'm going to stumble over it the whole episode. Uh, other words we use to describe tech things, advanced, proprietary, cutting edge, wearables, new tech, etc. The list goes on and on. Now, what I found particularly interesting was when we marry social justice causes to language, and around technology, and when we marry 
tech and social justice, the language around these, the language around the tech seems to change and shift a little bit. And I wanted to show you an example of that when we look at technological advancements and disability. I'm just on Permobiles USA's website. Permobile is the manufacturer of my current wheelchair. And I just wanted to show you some of the language they use around their tech. They say, Permobile's indoor and outdoor chairs are easily maneuvered in a variety of environments. Usability, which is another big tech word that I found a lot, usability combined with innovative design, see, and unbeatable comfort make the indoor-outdoor collection perfect all-around wheelchairs. With tight turning radiuses, they're easy to drive in small spaces, but powerful motors and technically advanced spaces give these wheelchairs exceptional outdoor performance. Another tech innovation I found when I was doing research was there's an, ecto, an exoskeleton robot that people are using to try to walk again when they've been paralyzed. And there's a, there's a University of Alberta in Edmonton was doing a study on that and they did a news report where they used the word life-changing technology to discuss this ecto, this exoskeleton robot. I almost said ectoplasm, which is a Ghostbuster thing. Um, so that's not that, but, but, <laughs> but talking about the technology, they use words like life-changing when we talk about disability and technology. Some of the other tech words we use when we talk about disabilities are words like enrich, enhance, vibrant, independence, freedom, those words, as I was looking into just disability tech stuff, to give you more examples, those words pop up like almost every time when we marry disability and technology together. I don't know. I mean, we love seeing tech that can help disabled people gain a level of independence and self-sufficiency, even if that is usually girded and bolstered by thinly veiled ableist assumptions. It makes non-disabled people feel really good inside in a way that I'll never quite get, to be like, yeah, look at us, we made a wheelchair that can go over stairs. When it's like, well, maybe you should create buildings that don't have stairs. Or it makes tech, tech people get like emotional boners about making a disabled person more able. And it's like non-disabled people want to make us one step closer to their idea of normal when we as disabled people are just getting comfortable being the exact opposite of normal. I think I'm speaking directly to the disabled tech designers who want to make us more superhuman than human. Stop doing that, okay? It's not really cute anymore. Don't do it. Try to make buildings more accessible and try to use technology to stop making us more able and making the world more cognizant of disability. So, the more and more I heard about sex tech, I was excited to understand as a person with physical disabilities and a physically a physically disabled sex educator i wanted to hear potentially positive articles you know applauding sex tech for maybe changing the way sex and disability happen changing the way sexuality and disability was understood by society at large i was really hoping for some of that quote life-changing possibility platitude to be thrown out with respect to sex tech, but I was 
sorely, sorely mistaken when I did the research. What I found was completely different than what I had expected. I wasn't surprised with what I found. I was just really, really dismayed. Firstly, I was disappointed to discover that there were very few offerings that in fact talked about sex tech and disability at all, let alone champion them. Um, and by a few, I mean there were literally zero sex tech and disability articles that I found in my Google search that championed the positive possibilities of sex tech for disabled people. Um, and when disability was brought into the discussion, the tone and the language used around the way tech was talked about, unlike how we talk about wheelchairs and disability in such a positive light, the tone around sex tech and disability underwent a drastic shift. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark, but first... We're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners. So we'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carry sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey everyone, this is Max Sargent, and when I'm not busy making sexy porn, I tune in and turn on to Dad. That's Disability After Dark. The podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. And so should you. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Just wanted to let you know that I have started recording minisodes for the show. And if you're like, hey Andrew, what's a minisode? Let me tell you. A minisode is a little tiny morsel of awesomeness of Disability After Dark where you, the listener, get to write in anything about disability you want to tell me about. A story, a letter, a thought. Uh, a topic idea, just tell me about your life as a disabled person. Um, or if you're non-disabled and you have questions about disability you want me to answer, write in and let me know, and then we can really build a community around disability, and we'll put them in a little 10-minute minisode that we'll play before the full episodes. It'll come out. They'll come out every Wednesday. So if you want to write a minisode, write me your thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas about disability. You can write them to our new email address for the podcast. You can write them to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. And then I will read them back to you. That's the, I'll read them back to you and we'll wildly speculate about them together. So submit your things for a minisode to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. And we're back. I want to thank Come As You Are for being an amazing sponsor and supporting Disability After Dark all the way through. I also want to thank the uh, the people who sent in ads about that they listen to the show. I love getting those. And if you want to record a voice clip for me, you can just go into your phone, hit voice memo, and send me a 20 to 30 clip about what the show means for you. As we near episode 100, I want to do 
kind of a montage of what the show really means to all of you who listen. So if you could send me like a one-minute clip of what the show means for you, why it's important, your favorite episode, why you love the show, all that stuff, I'd like to play it for our 100th episode, which I can't believe is coming up faster than I can say. In like 12 episodes, will be in episode 100 already. Holy fuck. So I'd love to hear from you. If you want to do that, you can submit it to the email, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. But now, back to the show. Okay, so to highlight this drastic shift in tone from the way we talk about tech and disability in regards to things like wheelchairs and walkers and all that stuff, and then to show how we talk about disability when it comes to sex tech, I found a blog post written by the people at siliconwives.com. Right away, I hate their branding, I hate their name, it sounds really misogynistic, and I couldn't, when I saw that, I was like, ew, that's a horrible, it's a horrible name for a company, but then I found out they were one of the leaders in sex doll manufacturing. Of course they were. Why am I surprised? Why am I not surprised, rather? Um, so, they make sex dolls, and their treatment of disabled men in their post was super ableist. They wrote a post called, Five Tips for disabled men to improve their sex life. And they say in the post, as one of their tips, that since disabled men were slash are already at a, at a disadvantaged position in the dating world, using a sex doll is, quote, the perfect solution because it won't leave or judge you as a result of disability. Ew! So many things are wrong with that statement. So many things. I don't even know where to begin. So what I did was I translated that statement that the doll won't leave you or judge you as a result of your disability. I translated that statement into ableism speak so you can really understand what they're saying when they say this and how horrible it is what they're actually saying is. So what they're saying is a real person would automatically run screaming from you but this unreal thing would never do that to you. In the post, they actually also said that the sex doll isn't affected by mood swings or nagging. That's what actually was in the post. Ew, how gross is that? So, what they're saying is you, as a disabled man, would never want to have a real person because they would nag you. Translated into ableism speak, that says the sex doll would never think that you're, quote, too much, and your disability would never deter this inanimate object. Gross. Gross. One of their other awesome tips for disabled men, and by awesome, I hope you can understand the sarcasm because it's totally there. One of their other tips was that they should date another disabled person and only date disabled partners because... Get ready for it, because... To date another disabled person because they are both disadvantaged and they would understand each other's disorders. Ugh. Who the fuck wrote this? And I tried to look up their name and they were conveniently... They wiped the name off. So, Silicon Wives, fuck you. If you want to talk about sex and disability and you're looking for a good writer to properly write shit for you, not that I would ever support your platform, but if you're looking for a real disability writer to properly write things for you... Hire one of us, because whatever you just wrote, that's a piece of shit, and you should never put that out there. 
Another article I found looking at the future of sex tech posited that the advancements in this area would be particularly beneficial for those who face challenges due to distance, loneliness, and of course, disability. It's clear that there's a bunch of ableism in full swing here. These examples highlight the fact that disability and sexuality is, yet again, big surprise, an afterthought, as in both these articles, disability was one of the last things that was touched on. These articles rely on old tropes and language around disability that, for articles written in 2017 and 2018 respectively, we should never be seeing this kind of sad, pitiful language around disability. It should be way more, I would hope, at least cheesy positive, but this is just sad. So I went back on the Google machine and I looked through 12 to 14 pages hoping that I could find something in a corner of the internet that might talk about the positivity of sex tech. And when I did find something that I thought could be positive, it automatically had that same kind of like womp womp. For those poor disabled people, this option could be great. There was nothing that championed sex tech and disability together. Nothing at all. And that was really troubling um, because I wanted to find something that would do that and I didn't find that at all. So in all honesty, I was super pissed off that no, there was nothing about the positives of sex tech and disability, at least nothing that I found. If anybody who's listening has found something positive, please send it my way. I'd love to have a read on it. But I found nothing positive, and that pissed me right off. So I wanted to look at the ways sex tech could be used to combat ableism, and I've underlined that and bolded it in my notes, because I don't think whenever we talk about sexuality and disability, we use the word ableism, and I wanted to find a way to talk about that in this episode. I also wanted to look at the ways sex tech could build sexual self-esteem for the disabled person using it, and create a whole new avenue to explore sex and disability that gives disabled people agency over our experience and a power within our experience of sex. So, I wanted to explore this using three major tenets of sex tech that I read up on. So, sex dolls, virtual reality sex consoles, and teledildonics, which I learned from my friends at the Gayish Podcast is a fancy way of saying vibrating phone-operated vibrator, possibly? So these three things are ableist-busting sex tech. So the first one I want to look at is sex dolls. So as sex dolls become more and more advanced and sophisticated in scope thanks to AI, artificial intelligence, Rather than seeing them as a solution to the problem of disability, we could be looking at them as tools for disabled people to explore what they like in terms of touch, sensation, positioning, and using the doll for masturbation and play if they wanted to. The doll could also help us determine with positioning what's good for the disabled body to be both comfortable and sexually satisfied. Because, you know, we all know positioning is hard, and it might be better to figure that out on a doll without hurting ourselves before we try to do positioning, maybe. I don't know. It was just a thought. Um, I really don't think we should be told that these dolls 
are our only way to find a partner who won't leave us, but instead we should consider them as alternative options in our arsenal against ableism. And I think that could be groundbreaking. Do you see what I did there? Put a positive spin on it. Yeah, I did. I was also thinking that as AI gets better, maybe the doll could undress you or redress you or position you as you needed it to. Um, one of the things I was also considering was that so many disabled people don't have options to look at their own body's anatomies because of the way their bodies move, because of the way their bodies don't move. We can't see our junk, or our partner's junk for that matter. So I was thinking that maybe we make a sex doll that was actually anatomically correct. And I don't mean in that way the gross cisgendered guys who make these dolls are talking about it. There are many, many documentaries where the the creator will be like, Yep, she's anatomically correct. Ha ha ha. And it's like, ew, gross. I mean this in a way that's like, Let's make the the let's make the doll correct so that the disabled person can get a feel for what their what a cock is like or what a what a vagina might feel like or what an ass feels like so that they can actually see these things if they can't move their body around. Just an idea. Another and possibly slightly controversial option that we might consider when we're looking at accessibility for these sex dolls around disability and how they could help, we might consider creating sex dolls with AI that have disabilities. As soon as I typed that, I was already wary of the possible ways ableism could be used here, but I was more thinking along the lines that perhaps non-disabled people who have never been with a disabled person and have ableist preconceived notions and want to get want to work those out might use a disabled sex doll to do some of that work so they're not coming into your fuck session and being like oh my god i'm scared i'm nervous they could maybe use the doll to do all that and i don't know maybe we could use a disabled sex doll for disabled people to try to learn how to fuck each other because positioning two disabled people to fuck and do all that stuff can be hard and tiresome sometimes and so maybe you want to learn all the techniques and the best options before you do all that with the real disabled person so that you don't have to spend the whole a whole hour figuring that out in real life maybe I don't know that's just an option or if you're a disabled person and you really get off on disabled people and you want to use the disabled sex doll as a masturbatory tool for yourself that could be cool I don't know it's just an option but we're always talking about representation and different types of representation, so this could be an option for sex dolls to be disabled and maybe not in such a, you know, creepy, ableist way, but just a real way. Just a thought. Moving on from sex dolls, one of the coolest options, personally, I think, for disabled people to take charge of their sex lives is virtual reality sex consoles. So a lot of this, when I was doing research on the virtual v the VR sex consoles, a lot of videos of straight, white, cishet dudes being like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna look at some VR porn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, or like able-bodied gay guys looking at porn that way. So it was really, like, duded up, if you will, like, broed up this idea of VR porn. But I was looking at it from a disability perspective, and what I was thinking was, 
once you put the console on or you get your attendant care worker to put the console on for you, you can use your hands or toys with the VR console or if you don't have that ability, you can simply sit back and watch what's unfolding and let your imagination do the rest, which for many of us who don't have access to our bodies could be really cool and could change the way we sensorily understand sexuality maybe a little bit. You know, and with a lot of these consoles, the stuff that I was seeing was that a lot of it, if you, if you, it only shows you the image from directly in front of you. So if you were an individual with poor neck mobility and couldn't move your neck certain ways, this could be great for you because you could just watch and see what was happening without worrying about moving your neck or moving a certain way or how it is. It's just there for you. I also think it would be really great for individuals with, um, for the makers of these products who make this stuff to make stuff for individuals with sensory disabilities and different backdrops. Like a lot of the backdrops that I saw were like people at a pool or people at a beach or like a hot girl at a beach going to go fuck the dude that's wearing the console. But like, what if we had backdrops for disabled people like your disabled shower or like a beach where wheelchairs could go or stuff around disability like like your I'm just trying to think where disabled people fuck like the handicapped bathroom stall stuff like that really kind of stuff that you where we could bring disability into VR sex in a way that was realistic and fun. And then, of course, if you want to pretend like you're not disabled and, and do VR sex that way, you could do that. But to bring disability into the console will be really exciting, I think. I also think there's an opportunity here for the makers to create VR uh, sex consoles with low vision, stuff like that, with um, closed captioning, which I know is something that I haven't done yet with this with this podcast, uh, not closed captioning, but, um, but, uh, transcript. So side note, little tangent here. I've decided that I'm going to go back through every single podcast myself and start creating proper transcripts for the show because I haven't done that and I should have done and people uh, have been wanting me to, and I don't want to spend an exorbitant amount of money to do that because it's, it's like, like a dollar a minute for, for the thing and I don't have that money right now so I am going to uh, do it myself because I think it's the right thing to do but yeah back to what I was saying virtual reality sex consoles should have closed captioning maybe it would be a cool sexy option I don't know but I think there are also options for many different ways to make virtual reality sex a little bit more accessible for disabled people I also think VR sex might be really good for somebody who experiences different levels of sensory disabilities where touch may be too overwhelming for them, stuff like that. Touch may be too painful, uncomfortable, or altogether overwhelming. They could use this to experience sex and, and sex play and masturbation play in a whole different way that is cognizant of what their needs are. And it would be cool if VR makers put you know, put things in there to show that they were aware that, that this population was using these toys. I also think that if you're both disabled, VR toys could be good. If you are both disabled and you have both 
sensory stuff and you can't touch each other, but you want to like mess around with and see how that feels and try try VR stuff, you can both put on a console and, and play with each other that way. So I think it is a really great way to show disabled people that they could, they could masturbate with each other or play have sex play in a whole different way. And that should be discussed when we talk about VR, sex consoles, and disability. So if you've never heard of this word, teledildonics, before, and if it sounds kind of funny, although it is my favorite word to say ever, it's a word that was coined in the 70s by someone named Ted Nelson, who envisioned a sex toy that could, could use radio waves to send signals between devices. He wrote something called Computer Lib slash Dream Machines. He coined the term dildonics in the 70s. Um, and it took years and years for this to actually happen. But it started to kind of jump out in the scene through virtual reality and stuff like that. But teledildonics for today really means, like I said earlier, vibrators that you can control remotely. Which I think for disabled people is really, really cool and really, really important. So why I think this idea of remote vibrators and teledildonics is super important for disabled people is because it flips around the idea of power. So when you're disabled and you're fucking a non-disabled person, as I'm sure I've said before, there's a power imbalance where the disabled person is on the bottom rung and the able-bodied person is on the top rung, where they can make all the, d the decisions, they might have to position you, they might have to do all this stuff and it's up to them and they do it. But with teledildonics, you can decide what kind of pleasure you want to give to them if you don't have a lot of mobility and you can only do so with your hands or with a fingertip. Teledildonics allows you to flip that power role and for you, the d disabled person, to end up as the power top for probably, you know, some of the first times as the power, as the, the powerful one, the one who makes the decision to you know, to engage in orgasm denial or things like that. And many, many disabled people don't have that power. And teledildonics may allow us to do that. So that's really fucking cool. And I love the idea of being a true power top by denying you orgasm with, my, with the tip of my finger. Now, I should say that I've never tested any of these products. And if anybody out there who is working in these fields wants a tester with disabilities to write a positive review about how these toys can properly combat ableism. Um, let's do that. I'm also looking at a lot of the, the price points for these toys. And if we're going to be marketing to the disabled public, which we should be, and if we do market them to disabled people, we need to remember that disabled people can't afford a $200 toy, usually. So we need to look at market price points that are financially accessible for disabled people. And if you're going to buy a sex doll, which can cost upwards of $500, $600, especially when AI comes out, it's going to be way more than that. We need to look at price points that are accessible to the disabled population. Who would pay money to have a sex doll that would undress them and fuck them the right way if they needed it to, I'm sure. But uh, those are my thoughts on ableist busting sex tech, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening, and send in your thanks for Minnesota's 
because I love the Minnesotes. Send them in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Till next time on Disability After Dark, I'm your disabled boyfriend, Andrew Gerza. Bye! Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing, you help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Udiucci. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Crippled Content Creations, 2018.